Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Team Check-In. I'm your host, Emre, and with me today, I have the man with the coolest last name in all of YouTube, <laughs> Microsoft Teams ecosystem, whose last name I'm try not to butcher, Nick the Cursey. So, did I butcher it? I think I did. No, no, you, you, you did good. You did good. All right, Nick, let, once again, let's do the awkward podcasty thing and ex exchange pleasantries. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing awesome as well. So, Nick, uh, before we roll the debate and roll the discussion into AI is coming to take over and dis destroy our lives. Uh, <laughs> hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not. Uh, can you tell our audience about what you do? your channel and everything. Yeah, sure. So um, uh, yeah, I, I run a company called Bright Ideas Agency. Um, I'm a consulting company that specializes in digital transformation for small businesses. Um, and so the tools that I work with the most are Microsoft 365, um, Power Platform and Azure, but I'm pretty mm -hmm. much uh, technology agnostic. I've, I've helped businesses with all kinds of things, but um, that's where I have the, the greatest amount of expertise. And I run a YouTube channel connected to my business where I just try to, to give people tips and information that might be relevant to them if they're a, uh, a small business owner or they're responsible for IT in a small business or just a, a business user who's thinking about how can I get more out of Microsoft 365, out of Teams or out of Power Platform. That's all. And how did this like entire passion for like Microsoft 365 began? Because uh, your channel uh, is one of the best resources for Microsoft 365 content, whether it's Teams or like Power BI. So how did you get like this into Microsoft stuff? Well, well thank you. That's a very nice compliment. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there in this uh this Microsoft 365 community sharing good information. So uh, there's there's a lot of content out there that's really great. But my interest really, um, I've been involved in IT for for years. Um, it's always been part of my my job, um, but it was never the exclusive focus of my job. And then COVID happened, um, and suddenly we were all thrown into offices at home and trying to use Microsoft Teams. And I'd had some uh, some background before that of using the Microsoft 365 tools in the organization that I was in at that time. And I'd done things in prior roles prior to that. But um, really, I started to, to see just how um, important getting the right um, connection with understanding those tools for, for every level of an organization was. And um, about two years into that, I decided that I wanted to really take what had been a sideline in my, mm. my work life for about 20 years and make it my focus. Um, and so I set up my company, Bright Ideas Agency, um, and really focused in on how, not necessarily from a technical perspective, I wouldn't say mm -hmm. that I'm the most technical expert that exists in these things, but combining my understanding of working in various businesses and trying to get things done, um, and how can you connect with those tools to get more done, whatever your scale of organization. Um, I sometimes feel that we focus too much on the enterprise. Um, yes. A lot of solutions are enterprise solutions. And if you're a small business owner, if you're working in an organization mm -hmm. that might be 10 people, 50 people, 100 people, sometimes you can look at these solutions and scratch your head um, mm -hmm. about how complicated they are, about how much they cost. And I don't think that should be the case. I think this should be democratized. Everyone should get benefit out of it. So that's really where I focus my time on these smaller organizations. How can we get more done with uh, Microsoft's tools or whatever tools you're using? So you're the Robin Hood of digital transformations. Hoping to be, yeah, <laughs> kind of like that. I, you know, I, I want to, I want to use those best practices, um, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I want to make what I'm doing accessible to everyone. So, uh, one thing that's really the term digital transformation is really fascinating to me because, uh, unlike you, I have a literature background, right? So, <laughs> the second I hear digital transformation, my mind just goes immediately sci-fi. <laughs> and yeah, in the, I go full on Frank Herbert and I go like, all right, we need the 
thinking machine jihad coming really soon and all that. <laughs> so, uh, so my question is, this digital transformation, what are the steps of it? How does like, how does digital transformation usually occur as you're helping, let's say, a small organization? What are the steps mm. of like a full digital transformation? Well, I, I think it's you, you have to contextualize it around what is going on and what is the need there and mm -hmm. what digital transformation is will look different depending on the organization, depending on what you're trying to achieve. And frankly, depending on the people who are part of that organization as well. So really what we're thinking about is what is the where is there a pain point where is there an opportunity where can mm -hmm. we leverage technology to do better to make our, our life a bit easier to connect with our customers to delight them more and you're not going to have the same answer any two organizations aren't going to be the same but i can tell you very quickly what it's not and it's not going out and finding the latest trendy app and signing up to that and trying it out for two months and then going to the next trendy app and trying that out for two months. And I think too often we get into this kind of, um, we're almost on a kind of hamster wheel of there's something mm -hmm. new coming along and we need to try it. And I think that kind of mindset can impact small businesses a lot more than the larger organizations sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so you really have this dichotomy. If you have some businesses that are trying to do a lot with everything that's new and thinking that if they just get that new thing it's going to be a magic bullet that's going to uh, to fix all their problems and then you've got the other people who are kind of petrified of what's going on and just don't know how to engage with it at all so a lot of the time where i come to with digital transformation comes from people having a willingness to think about technology but really not knowing where to go with it they might think hey there's probably a piece of software that can help me with x or mm -hmm. uh, there is these couple of things that we're doing and they seem like they're really um, confused, they don't talk to one another, or staff turnover can initiate this as well. Like you suddenly mm -hmm. realise that that Mary, who's been in your office in the corner for 25 years and she leaves, you have no idea what it is that she did or how she got it done. Um, and so you're, you're suddenly struggling. You're like, how the heck do we put all this together? So what I try to do is to support businesses to understand uh, both what are the pain points that they can address and what mm -hmm. are some reasonable steps that they can take to start addressing them and that may be that there's a piece of software that can help them it may be that they've already bought microsoft 365 but they mm -hmm. think that microsoft 365 is just word and excel and outlook and they're mm -hmm. not using things like teams they're not using things like bookings they're not using things like shifts that could really help them or at the other end there might be something that they need that's very custom to to what they're looking at and um you know what that is where i come to with power platform whether it be through apps with power apps or automations with with power automate or even recently this year i've seen a real uptick in smaller businesses being interested in power bi having an awareness that they have lots of data but not knowing what to do with it um so depending on the situation digital transformation is always going to look different but i think that the the key thing is it's a journey it's not a you start it and you finish it it's a mindset that we can get more done with technology we can engage with technology to delight our customers more to provide a better environment for our teams and to to really push forward with a lot of the things that elsewhere outside of the technology realm we're concerned about in our society in our businesses right now exactly uh i just Immediate, I, I really feel you when it when you what you're talking about people focusing. Okay, like this one app. Oh yeah, if we if we if we go this route, it's gonna fix everything. If we oh now something new has come up. Oh yep. yeah, now that's gonna fix everything. I remember way back in college, I was trying to stop quit smoking, and I said okay. I found this awesome app to help me quit smoking. <laughs> and the only thing it did was every time I opened my phone, it reminded me of the existence of something called smoking. <laughs> it probably worked for some people. Yeah, it, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's a different answer yeah, for everyone, you know? Exactly. Because exactly I, I started doing that experiment with a very close friend of mine. 
And he kept showing me these updates on the app very proudly saying, hey, look, my blood oxygen levels are back now that we haven't smoked in like five days now. And But all it did to me was, why are we talking about smoking constantly when I'm trying to quit it? So it's, it's, a, it's a weird example, but yet software worked differently with other people, some productivities, there's no one size fits all solution, right? When it comes to performance management or digital transformations. As I write for, I write for the TeamFleck blog, and what's really frustrating for me is every time I'm writing about a particular issue in performance management, I can write like 4,000 words and the end result would be, well, it depends. Yeah. And that's it. I think it always does depend. But I think that the consistent strand maybe is mm -hmm. that there's this promise from technology mm -hmm. that a lot of people haven't seen. Um, yes. That a, a lot of um, what we what we get out of technology is, is just what you were describing there. You know, whether it's like the ping of something on Facebook or mm -hmm. your TikToks or whatever. Like, there's a lot of technology around us. But a lot of the time we talk about it being almost as negative as it is positive. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there's this promise. Um, if I think back to when I started my career, I mean, I was thinking about this prior to us talking today, that when I started my career, like it was still commonplace in the job that I had to send out paper mail to people with things and like wait for like five days for a response to come back. And, you, you know, it slowed down the pace of things. But now we've got faster and faster and faster, more and more data. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily helped everyone. I, I mm -hmm. think it has helped some people, but I don't think it's helped everyone. And I think there's this underserved group. And a lot of that underserved group is probably in small businesses mm -hmm. that are like, how do I address? How do I work with this? How do I actually get something good out of it? And it's like your example there that you're seeing it and you're just being reminded of, you know, I, I, I want to achieve something, but this isn't helping me to do it. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, uh, so uh, you talked about these pain points in an organization, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to self-diagnose, right? If you're an organization and you're experiencing problems uh, just adopting to digital tools or going through a digital transformation, uh, Again, we talked about how we might think that a tool is right for us, right? We went, okay, like this software will fix mm -hmm. everything, but then turns out it doesn't. How do how can people go about picking the right software for themselves? What are some of the questions they can ask themselves? Are these guiding or self-coaching questions that mm -hmm. they can ask in order to determine, hey, okay, I need something along the lines of this. Yeah, I think that the main thing in my practice is don't start with the software. Don't uh -huh. start being sold on a piece of software because you can always uh, find ways when you see something exciting, when you're like, oh, that looks good, that looks fun, that'll be fun to use. You can always find ways to push your business process into a piece of software and convince yourself that it's going to do everything that you need it to do. Um, when I work with organizations that want to bring on a new piece of software, I start off by saying, OK, we're going to identify what your requirements are. And those requirements, really, we can break down into things that are um, real requirements. They're necessary and things that are nice to have. And once yeah. we've got those those two categories, I like to go really broad. Um, I like to look at what is out there in the market that can help with these kinds of issues. Um, in the last couple of months, I've been helping a, a company, a small business, put in place a new piece of finance software. Mm -hmm. um, and they had looked at some, they already had one in place, they'd looked at some new ones. And we talked through this process and I said, well, what you want to do, even if you end up going in the direction that you think you're going to go, because you've seen the ad for this piece of software or you've seen a demo for it, it's really good to go through a process and sense check it. And, you know, mm -hmm. at least if you've checked that against 10 other pieces of software, you know that genuinely you are picking the thing that's best for you. You know mm -hmm. you're not leaving opportunity on the table. Um, and I think that's that's very important with, with this, is don't start with the software. Start with what your needs are 
and try to fit the what you end up with to those needs because it's far too easy to convince yourself that your needs are what the slick salesmen are telling you your needs are. As a slick salesman myself, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> I, I, I'll definitely like put my name under all that statement because, uh, yeah, I mean, we here at Team Flake, we are one of those like pieces of software that you talk you were talking about. But uh, even with my friends, as we're talking about, like, hey, uh, like some of my friends come up to me and say, hey, you you're doing a lot of stuff with Microsoft Teams and. We use te- uh, we're using similar stuff. Should like is Teamflex g- good for us? Can we go like okay? I I go yes. I can definitely endorse it. But you need to tell me more about your organization mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, there isn't a one size fits all solution. And yes, I really like your idea of like identify the needs first, and then like come up with an action plan. And then which one which software is going to help us get there faster? Mm-hmm. And I think you do a good job of that in terms of some of the the content that I've seen uh, around oh, your you business is 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 you try to expose a range of different things that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you know when you're working like when I'm making YouTube videos, if I mention that you could work with a consultant, I'm always going to say, well, you could work with me. <laughs> I'm not going to say. You, you have to work with me, but it would be stupid of me to spend my time making a video that people are going to see and not mm-hmm. say, hey, if this is something I could do for you, why don't you consider working with me? Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a level of um, of honesty and integrity in being clear that there are other options out there uh-huh. and helping people to find the right option. I think it always ends up with a better client relationship um, if you start off from that basis of of trust, of being like, well, I wanted to work with you because I genuinely think I can add value for you, I can help you, as opposed to I'm just looking to to bolster my revenue dollars this month. And whether yeah. this works for you in three months' time, that's not my problem because that'll be the support team, you know. And I think there are businesses like that out there. Um, uh-huh. And in some ways, that's what gives digital transformation a bad name because so many businesses that you go to have this experience of having spent a lot of time and money working with a software vendor and they end mm-hmm. up with something that does maybe a little bit more for them than the old system but they don't yeah. really feel as if it's it's worth it and I, I think that provides a bad taste for technology generally so the more you know there's a big pie out there there's a very big pie right now uh-huh. with with the different options that people are looking for we can all benefit from selling our service let's find the customer that's the right customer for our software or our service yeah it's a very thin line isn't it balancing the business side like of yourself and the content creator as well yeah because yeah you do want to like hey like i do this but it's also yeah you don't want to push yourself like push your services on people so much it is a thin line, but yeah, you walk that line pretty well yourself. And uh, uh, one thing that is really exciting right now, and it's nothing new, but so we all like suddenly the entire world went remote with COVID, mm-hmm. and now we've moved past it, even though we haven't actually moved past it. But many people went remote. And then the whole thing ended, but not as many returned to offices. Mm -hmm. Many just uh, switched to hybrid models or just suddenly realized, hey, offices aren't as useful. So uh, do you have any like projections on where do you see like this whole trend going in the future? Where do you see like digital transformation moving forward in that area? Well, I'm very much an introvert, so I enjoy just sitting in my attic um, having (laughs) discussions like this. Um, But again, I think it's this issue of there isn't one answer that fits everyone. Um, I think it comes down to what is the culture of your organisation and what are you trying to achieve? And Mm. what I, I think doesn't work is just arbitrarily saying, hey, we're going to have everyone in the office all the time because that's what I believe as a leader. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to reflect on what we're actually trying to do. Um, And I know this is something that um, looking at Microsoft's tools, 
there's been a lot of focus from Microsoft in this idea of the, the, the workplace as a place to go, a place to bring benefit that you can't get at home. And whether you're thinking about things like um, Teams rooms, for example, and how mm. do you how do you promote the people who are sitting outside of the office to the same kind of standing in that meeting as the people who are inside mm -hmm. the office? And so I, I do think that technology gives us part of the answer to this, um, mm -hmm. but it, it's entirely to do with culture and, as well. And I think it's really also connected to what are we going to try to achieve almost as a society out of the benefits that technology can give us? Because I, I do think that there's an argument to be made. And I think when we look at things like quiet quitting and all that that was going on last year, and we, we look at this and we say, well, there's a lot of people who are at least somewhat dissatisfied with where work has got us to. And also where yeah. technology has got us to as well. Technology is this, this thing that, you know, your email inbox just keeps pinging and pinging and pinging all day. And then when you leave the office, your phone continues on with that because you're connected to it. And you, you could say, well, where is the balance in this? Is it actually a balance that is beneficial to the individual as well as to the company that they're working for? And so I think that this does have a digital transformation perspective. Mm -hmm. But I also think it's to do with culture, it's to do with the culture of how do we want to lead organisations, where do we want to get people to, and how much are we concerned about people not just producing as much as they can at work, but producing as much as they can in life, um, getting the yeah. best out of the life that they're, they're having. Um, and I think that's a conversation that keeps going on. It's a conversation that transcends technology, but there are certainly businesses out there, Microsoft is certainly a, amongst them, that are really uh -huh. focused in on providing technologies, providing tools that can help give us answers in this discussion. All right, let's take a small break. I'm interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast to talk to you about TeamFlect. TeamFlect is the single best performance management software for Microsoft Teams. It is an all-in-one solution. And when I say all-in-one, I mean all-in-one. You want to create tasks? There you go, create tasks. You want to set goals? Set goals all you want. You want to exchange customizable recognitions? Sure, TeamFlect has employee engagement for days. You can even conduct entire performance review cycles using customizable performance review templates without ever having to leave Microsoft Teams. Oh, and the best part is TeamFlect is absolutely free for up to 10 users. And I don't mean a trial period or TeamFlect Lite version. I mean free with full functionality for up to 10 users. So you can start by demoing TeamFlect with a 10 people group, get their feedback, and if you like it, you can roll it out company-wide. What are you waiting for? Go to teamflect.com and schedule your free demo today. Now, back to the show. Yeah, the whole discussion of uh, fulfillment at work and quiet quitting, uh, it was a very frustrating discussion throughout, the, throughout last year because one angle that really frustrated me, uh, me was the side of people going, ah, oh, these Gen Z people are being snowflakes. They want to be content at work. How dare they? But what's the point of like, spending most of your life in a particular place if you're not going to be content, content with it? Because yeah. those same people who are pointing the finger at quiet quitters and saying they were being snowflakes or they were, they were being too soft, well, they were complaining about the same things as well. Right? But I think we are like... As a society, we're slowly but surely moving on from that trend of hustle culture and just keep your head down and keep going to like, hey, okay, I don't need to be putting up with this anymore. There are other options. But as we are rolling forward with the podcast, and since you brought up the emergence of new technology and is it going to be bad? Is it going to be good? And Microsoft uh, coming up with some new stuff. Nick, I think it's time. I think it's time. Copilot, what's up? <laughs> well, you, you know, um, Copilot is something I'm very excited about. Um, <laughs> I, is... By the way, I love uh, your thumbnail on 
Copac. They're like, Microsoft just won work. Like, <laughs> and I, I still stand by that. I, I still haven't seen anything. But I mean, there are <laughs> other options that are coming out there. I know. Um, I think it was either last week or the week before that Google had a, a set of announcements at Google I.O. about uh, workspace and, and their suite mm-hmm. of tools in relation to this. But I, I do think that um, Copilot, if people don't know what Copilot is, well, um, Copilot is really the, the brand that Microsoft mm-hmm. has put around all of the, the AI experiences that they're bringing into their customer-facing apps, whether that mm-hmm. be uh, Power Platform, whether that be their security technologies. Um, I think GitHub has a Copilot now. And what we're waiting mm-hmm. for uh, what I'm waiting for, at least, is Microsoft 365 Copilot, which is going to bring yes. these Copilot technologies into um, into Word, into Outlook, into PowerPoint, into Teams, um, and bring a flavor of AI that we perhaps haven't really seen before. Um, and with new possibilities there, and I'm very excited about this because I think it it offers the opportunity. Obviously, we don't know exactly how this is going to work yet. It's, it's very mm-hmm. easy um, for any company to put together a 30-second video that makes their product look uh-huh. great. Um, <laughs> and, and while I do have a lot of trust in the Microsoft 365 suite of products, you do have to wait until you see something and you use it yourself to, to work out what it actually does. But yeah. And in their defense, the 10-minute video was pretty cool too. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of, we've seen a lot. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't seen everything, but we've seen a lot. Um, and we know that there are businesses out there that are using this now. I think the latest announcement was that there were perhaps 600 businesses that were going to be using mm-hmm. um, Copilot uh, and testing it out. So I do think there's benefit to the fact that this is being rolled out slowly. Um, obviously, I would like to get my hands on it sooner rather than later, and I think there's a lot of people in that boat. Um, I, I know that a lot of the comments that I've got on YouTube, uh, when, when is this going to come out or on LinkedIn? And so I, I'm sorry, I don't know. Um, but I think that there's a lot of potential with this because, um, as, I, as I said before, technology has had a lot of promise, and I think for a lot of people it hasn't delivered. Um, and I, I, I remember when I was younger, the conversation of um, my generation, because we were the first generation that experienced the internet as kind of teenagers, and we would be the the kind of digital future. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's turned out well for some people, but there are a lot of people who are millennial generation that are scared of technology, that don't want to embrace it, concerned about it. And then we kind of moved on to the next generation, the Gen Zers, who are supposed to be uh, uh, digital uh, natives. And uh, uh-huh. then, and, and yeah, there, there's things that have moved on there, but there are still the same basic problems of technology is making our life harder in a lot of ways, quicker mm-hmm. than it's making it kind of easier, quicker than we're able to catch up. We're still connected to more things. We're getting more emails than we can deal with. There's more data flying around. There's that document that you know someone created last year, but can you find it? No, you can't, so you've got to create it again. And these mm-hmm. are all new problems that we've created for ourselves. Exactly. And with Copilot, with the ability for AI and you know what the AI can do is look at a weight of data that you could not having your brain at any given time. We can look at data across an organization. And what it can potentially do is cut through some of that and say, okay, I'm gonna give you a summary of your emails. I'm gonna help you to design a spreadsheet that does X. I'm gonna help you to bring the brand into PowerPoint so that it looks good and there's no one in the marketing team that's disappointed with with what you've put out today. And so Mm -hmm. I think this is, this is very exciting because this may be the start of allowing humans and the unique things that humans can bring to the table to start to to be pushed up above this kind of weight uh, of give me data. One second, something's up. Oh, something was up with the recording, so I'll just one second. Okay, we did experience some technical difficulties, but we're we're back, ladies and gentlemen. So, <laughs> okay, so uh, uh, please keep going. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, so um, 
Can you believe it? A team's problem. Uh, <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> just as what? just as Never we're talking, <laughs> just as we're talking about these exciting new technologies. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I just am very excited about this, and I, I know um, that that you. We, we talked about this previously. We've looked at your app, and you're getting AI in there a little bit. And I think this is a a huge, you know, there's a huge opportunity around this. Um, I do think we're going through a period of AI overload a little bit. Um, oh, big time! It's yeah. it, it's it's turning into like the new Marvel movies, where like the the way people talk about AI, it's turning into like how people used to talk about the Marvel movies. So constant, just constant dis discussion and input about AI, and I I'm pretty sure like there will be some like AI fatigue in like popular culture soon enough. But everything that's actually going on is pretty revolutionary, and. One reason I'm excited about 365 Copilot as opposed to like other AI news is that uh, this is more productivity centric exactly. AI. This is AI as a tool instead of an actual replacement. Because what we got with uh, these large language models like ChatGPT or RiderSonic or uh, like generative, generative AI like Midjourney, or Dali, we had AI tools being used to replace creative individuals. Mm -hmm. And at first glance, it looked, well, they can kind of do the job, right? That's what people thought when they saw ChatGPT writing for the first time. And then they started having it write more and more and more. And people realized, oh, it's just writing the same things over and over again. So just wording it slightly differently. And like all the suggestions are pretty much along the similar veins. And it's still incredible. And it the places it will go will surely be mind blowing. But what I think 365 Copilot is bringing in an era of, no, this is a tool. This is not a replacement. This mm -hmm. is a tool to take, to automate the more mundane sides of everything you do. So you can actually be more creative, have, time for the things that actually matter. So, so far, uh, I'm picking up everything they're putting down, right? Microsoft, yeah. uh, Word documents into presentations, I'm with you. I, ha I don't have a visual design bone in my body. <laughs> so turning Word documents into like these beautiful looking presentations, at least what we got from the concept videos, that was lovely. Uh, and the, the whole stuff with, uh, analyzing Excel data and everything. That was pretty cool. Where I think, and I'm releasing a video about this one as well, coming up pretty soon, and I think it might be out before this episode of the podcast is out actually, but where I think, like I understand the use, but it kind of loses some points for me in, in the whole, oh, let's write AI-generated emails, right? Um, because I can very easily picture a future where people just start exchanging AI-generated emails <laughs> with each other without typing an actual word. And that's kind of frustrating, right? Because uh, convenience can sometimes kill uh, innovation very fast, like that. And so just, I don't know, the thought of people exchanging AI-generated emails back and forth and not actually sneaking like a small joke in there. Yeah, it's kind of scary for me. I'm sure it will sneak a small joke in there. Um, yeah, I'm sure eventually we'll get that feedback and it'll uh -huh. go. In. I, I I think you're you're right, and I I think that there are some things to be concerned about here. I mean, there's there's the training aspect of these large language models uh -huh. sucking in huge amounts of data from the internet. And right now, we know that none of that has been created by AI. Mm -hmm. um, but if what AI allows us to do is just create more and more content, AI-generated mm -hmm. content, at what point will we reach um, a, a tipping point where there's more content out there that's just been generated by AI technology than there is content that has been generated by humans? <laughs> and, and what impact will that have 
on the training of future AI models. Now, that's well beyond my pay grade. I don't have a, yeah. <laughs> an understanding of this technology to get into that discussion. But I do think that there's some interesting things to think about there. Um, I know that there was a, um, a Senate hearing, I think, last week um, mm -hmm. uh, where there was discussion around uh, the safety of these technologies and uh -huh. are we uh, are we ahead for example of upcoming election cycles and how <laughs> how ai will impact that so there are things to be concerned about here but at the same time when we think about something like microsoft 365 copilot uh -huh. the copilot brand is very clever because it says it is. this is something to like, hold your hand and take you through it and all of those other concerns aside if this is something that genuinely helps people to, you know, deal with having 100 emails come through a day um, that they can summarize and and uh, find a, a, an answer that they can put back to to the thread to, to add some value to it, then maybe that's a good thing. And we'll learn as we go um, to avoid that that concern that you've raised there of just self kind of the hamster wheel of uh, of just sending email after email the ai kind of does it itself right uh like you said uh the whole branding is incredibly clever right so copilot so it's an assistant it's jarvis jarvis it's cortana cortana yeah. was actually do you remember cortana when microsoft actually had the word cortana in it it oh, gave yeah. all yeah it gave like all us like nerds all like the halo people it just it made us so incredibly happy. Well, yeah, but, but then didn't, wasn't there that disconnect of in the later um, Halo games, didn't um, Cortana kind of go off the rails a little bit? And then <laughs> it was a little bit less appropriate to have exactly. Cortana be your <laughs> helper in Windows. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Oh, it's been so long since I've picked up Halo. When was the last time you picked up uh, like oh, a good Halo game? A, a long, played? long time ago. I remember. Right. I think on the original Xbox, playing through the first Halo, and that was probably the last time I went through a Halo game. <laughs> exactly. Uh, are you gaming right now? Not really. Like most of my time is either spent um, doing doing this kind of stuff, or we have a two-year-old who takes up a lot of oh. time as well. So. Um, yeah, catching up on gaming, TV shows, movies, and anything that's kind of popular culture, I'm two years behind right now because uh, I haven't had any free time. <laughs> so you have the content creation, and you have the digital transformation, and you have the you have three full time jobs now. Yeah, that's that's kind of it, and I mean it's it's fun. I I enjoy it, but um, it is. I know there was a uh, a new series of uh, Succession that I've seen people be watching, and I'm like, oh. I'll have to get I'll have to get to that in like three years time. I'm never gonna get to it. I just have a list of shows that I started and I've never finished because oh, big time, big time, big time, big time. I I I feel you there. I feel the pain. I do feel the pain. So uh. I do need to ask you a kind of clickbaity question because okay. uh, I remember I felt the sentiment very strongly when I received an email from my boss and it said, hey, have you seen this open AI chat GPT thing that people use to write articles? And when I received that, I, my job was predominantly writing articles and I said, Okay, time to switch careers. I'm done. I, it, it it scared the life out of me, right? But so uh, even though it is branded very cleverly, do you think uh, at some point uh, Microsoft 365 Copilot will be causing some people to lose their jobs? Microsoft 365 Copilot itself? Uh, I don't know. AI technology uh -huh. generally? Uh, probably. I, I mean, there will probably be jobs that disappear and there'll be new jobs uh -huh. that appear. I, I know that one of the things that I find really interesting is that uh, have you seen um, that there's been a lot of coverage recently about places adopting a four day work week? Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and so uh, th this seems to be a thing that's on a lot of people's radar right now around the, the four day work week and the benefits of that, the productivity benefits. And if you go back and you look at the, the history of, of how we've worked, 
Um, we've not always had a five day work week. I mean, uh -huh. the five day work week was something that was established. I think Henry Ford established the, the five day work week uh, 100 years ago or so, you know. And so before that, people were working six days, seven days. I think the reason they got time off was in um, predominantly Christian countries. People were given a Sunday off to uh, uh -huh. to worship and probably the, the same in countries with with other religions were given different days off to um, to to worship. So that's where the day off came from. So. I think that you could also connect to that technology, like as technology has changed, like the big thing for Henry Ford was the production line, right? And suddenly mm -hmm. there was, we were able to produce, we were able to have productivity. And I know going back to the 1930s, I think economists were looking at this and imagining that we all might by now have a four day, uh, a four hour work week or something oh. along those lines. So I think it really depends on where do the benefits of these technologies accrue? Um, mm -hmm. Because you could end up in a situation where the benefits really accrue for the people who use these tools, the day to day workers who are using these tools to be able to get back some balance in their lives mm -hmm. from it to look at, well, can we support a four day work week? Could we support a three day work week? Like, is uh -huh. it necessary? Like, is the the value that a human being can deliver to the world entirely tied down to the business that they work for? Or are there other things that we should be trying to achieve as a culture, um, as a as a species? Um, and so I, I would hope that we can look at it like that. Mm -hmm. I, I would hope that these technologies, if they do have an impact on what people do, can also have an impact on the balance in their lives. And so instead of thinking about it as some people lose their jobs and some people are mm -hmm. working just as much, just with uh -huh. AI helping them achieve more, can we say the AI helps us all to achieve more and helps us all to have more balance? That's probably yeah. a rather utopian way of thinking about it. Um, no, I'm, I'm but, loving it. I, but I grew I up on Star Trek, so that's my yeah. view of technology <laughs> is, you know, like it's going to help us to, to become this utopian society. Yes, and we will surely reach that final frontier. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, I mean, the whole, like, it's coming for our jobs. It's the more clickbaity approach, and it's never that simple, right? It's yeah. never that simple. And I like how you're putting it, right? Uh, it 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 can cause, like, some positions to disappear, but it can, it's, it's, it's also going to lead to, like, some other positions to appear. Uh Back, like, when I was a teacher, I wore a lot of hats. <laughs> Back when I was a teacher, like, a couple years ago, uh, you have the question, you have the same discussion, this discussion with your students, all right, what are you going to be when you grow up, right? What are you going to do? And one of my students actually gave me the most honest answer, and they're like, I have no idea. <laughs> and I said, okay, so you're undecided? And he actually said, he was like, very forward thinking, like very adult, adult mindset, like, I don't know what jobs there will be, right? Because we don't know, like five years from now, we don't know which titles or which it, weird new positions will be open. And the, the whole, like the AI revolution that we're experiencing right now, it's spicing that thing up even more. It's making everything all that more interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that there's a lot of things that we don't know about this, about where uh -huh. it's going to go. But there are also a lot of things that we we do know. And I, I think the last few years have taught us all a lot of things. Like, I think we have more appreciation of the fact that there are a lot of people around us that are struggling, struggling mm -hmm. to keep that balance, struggling um, with the, the, the mental health impacts of mm -hmm. the technology that we've got and how it works right now. Um, struggling to think that they're achieving what they want to achieve in life. Um, we, we, we know this. And I think I think what the pandemic period kind of did for a lot of us is to uh -huh. to bring these these issues to the surface of our understanding and a lot of people having a lot more appreciation of that. And I think in the past, it's been OK to say, well, I struggled in this way. And therefore, that's a rite of passage that everyone else should struggle in that way or struggle more to achieve what they want to achieve. Exactly. And I, and I think that's disappearing as a mind. I'm hoping that's disappearing as a mindset. And we mm. can look at this and say, you know, that your point around um, 
Gen Z quiet quitting, mm-hmm. uh, the snowflakes in the workplace kind of uh, attitude that people had. Hopefully that's going away. And yeah. we are all starting to hear more what those around us are saying, the concerns that they've got, the pressures that they're feeling. And we're going to find ways to resolve those because that's the only way that in the future we're all going to get along. We're all going to feel like we're achieving it. You know, if we're going to end up with a world that's much better than the one that we we kind of started with when this technology mm-hmm. revolution started, then we've got to address some of these some of these things, some of these inequities, some of these um, health, mental health concerns that we we see around us. And hopefully, technology isn't going to do it all. But hopefully mm-hmm. using technology in an astute way that that is cognizant of these issues can help us to address some of these things. Yeah, uh, exactly. So uh, going because uh, uh, as long as I have you on the show, I kind of want to get more out of you about uh, Microsoft 365 Copilot because yep. uh, you are the most knowledgeable person I know on this topic. That being said, I don't know you, a lot you, you of need to You need to meet some more people. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the upshot of that. But uh, it, I'm not, not going to be asking you about like any more like details or information, but I want to go the other way around. I want to, let's do some wish fulfillment right now. So uh, I just picked up the new Zelda game, right? Mm-hmm. I'm head over heels into it, loving it, but I had lots of expectations for it, especially in the first game, there was a dog and we couldn't pet it. And the one thing I wanted from this game was, <laughs> can we finally pet the dog? Turns out, no, we can't. <laughs> we can make flying aircrafts, but we can't pet the dog. So uh, what is your petting the dog for 365 Copilot? What is this? One like one or two. What are what are some features like you hope uh, Copilot 365 Copilot brings, but like isn't revealed yet? I mean, the biggest concern that I have with Copilot is one that I've addressed a couple of times in various videos that I've made on this now, which is that it's all very well to get these wonderful features that are going to um, help you with what data you have access to in Microsoft 365. But the majority of businesses don't have all of their data in Microsoft 365, whether it's because you use a a CRM like HubSpot or Uh you use QuickBooks or whatever it may be. Um, And the efficacy of what this AI is going to do for you, it seems is going to be directly correlated with what data the AI can, can access. And so I'm really looking forward. It's Microsoft Build this this coming week when we're recording this. That starts tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm very interested to, to see if there'll be any announcements there around in the background. Is Copilot going to allow us to integrate with third party data in any way? Because I, I think this is a very important thing. And um, frankly, I think it's going to be in many ways, a lot more important to smaller organizations that do tend Mm -hmm. to kind of jump between different platforms, the larger Mm -hmm. ones that can invest in the back-end infrastructure to pull everything into an index SQL server or whatever it may be um, Mm -hmm. to to get that data there. And we don't want to create this kind of two-tier system of um, it's only big enterprises that are getting the real benefit out of this AI, and you've still Mm -hmm. got small businesses that are paying their subscriptions to to use it but aren't getting the same level of benefit so that's that's my biggest concern that's my my dog that i want to see being able to mm-hmm. be pet in in copilot I, I i want to see some answer on this third party data exactly because uh uh one thing that i really think that sets microsoft teams apart is that beautiful ecosystem mm-hmm. right the teams app store has such amazing options team Fleck being one of them but like such incredible options available to consumers so i like if somehow the the when copilot joins that ecosystem and it plays very well with the other third party apps uh i already believe that like teams is like the best platform for co- collaboration but i it's it's going to take just go up to the next level. It's going to be incredible. 
Oh, I, I agree with you. And I, I think this is a um, a decision making uh, point, a junction for Microsoft in many ways, because uh -huh. the history of Microsoft is relying on a community of partners, um, mm -hmm. building frameworks that then get extended by partner organizations like TeamFlect is one, creating uh -huh. software that works. But if there is such a tangible benefit to using just Microsoft products over uh -huh. using those third party products, then that could be problematic for that entire partner community. So I think it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see how that kind of works out. Yeah, exactly. We hope they handle it better than Wizards of the Coast did with Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> are, are you? If you're familiar with that, your nerd cred is very. Oh, high well, right I, now. I, I, yeah. I, there was a new. Uh, I'm not intimately familiar with it, but there was a new terms of service or something like that that oh, came yeah, out. They, and, yeah. Yeah, they are uh, the, their new terms of service for their open gaming license. It kind of leaked online, and it. Turns out it was going to be very damaging to third-party creators mm -hmm. and the community behind it, which was very sad because the community is kind of what keeps games, cult games like Dungeons and Dragons yeah. alive. But uh, one thing that was really cool is once the backlash from the community came in, they revised the whole thing. Well, they had to, but still. Okay, we I we are losing listeners fast, Nick. You you, you never know. <laughs> we we are talking about AI in Microsoft 365, uh -huh. so I, I think that has a certain um certain geek bar to it. You know, <laughs> it does. It does. Suddenly, like once this episode of the podcast airs and it reaches our like millions and millions of listeners, sure, <laughs> your entire comment section on your YouTube channel is going to be like. Hey, like, do you want to hop on a game of Halo and just like? <laughs> yeah, you, oh, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> now, if there, if there is a better note to end on, then I don't know. Like, I don't know it. But it's like we've done an hour, a full hour, and it it blew by. Uh, Nick, uh, thank you very much for coming on the show and gracing it with your presence. Uh, this was a lovely chat for me. So before we go, uh, can we hear about your YouTube channel again? So let's plug it a little. Yeah, sure. So thanks for having me. It's been a fun conversation. But yeah, the, the channel is called uh, Bright Ideas Agency. Um, so if anyone wants to find out about Microsoft 365 or Teams or Power Platform, then they can head over there. Um, if they want to find out more about my business, then I'm at www.brightideasagency.com. Um, or just connect with me on LinkedIn. That's kind of the social media where I'm most present most of the time. All right. That's awesome. And as our listeners know, TeamFlect also has a YouTube channel where we also talk all teams Microsoft Teams or like tips about managing HR and all sorts of goodies. And my dog actually shows up in some of the videos. So you have <laughs> we have that going for us. So Nick, thank you very much for being on the show. And thank you guys very much for listening. We'll see you on another episode of the Team Check-In. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.